<clears throat> Hello, and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show on today, March 16th, 2017. I'm Eric Devin, and joining me, as always, are Adam White and Nathan Staples. The Ligue 1 has an intriguing slate of matches on offer this final match day before the international break, but before we dive into the weekend's action, we'll take a moment to reflect on France's redemption in European competition with Monaco's defeat of Manchester City and Leon's progression against Roma. Uh, Monaco won 3-1 yesterday to go through 6-6 on away goals. Leon lost 1-2 today to progress 5-4 on aggregate. Congratulations to both of those teams. We'll have the draw for both the Europa League quarterfinals and the Champions League quarterfinals tomorrow. So let's start with Monaco, uh, who were imperious in the first half before again seeming to fade in the second. Nathan, I'll come to you first. Once again, this is a match of two halves. Monaco looked great in the first half, a little bit touchy in the second half. Was this down to a tactical shift on the part of Pep Guardiola, willingness on the part of the players? What do you pick out as what made this, again, again, again a match of such stark contrast between the first and second half? Yeah, I think Pep did the right thing in, in switching things around in the second half. I think that did make a dramatic difference, bringing uh, De Bruyne slightly further back into the midfield and getting him on the ball more, more often and influencing things because... They really struggled to keep hold of possession in that first half. I thought Monaco were absolutely sensational. That might be the best performance so far this season, really. They were tenacious. They were risky. They were willing to combat them in the midfield. They were willing to overlap them with the fullbacks, and that caused City no end of problems without tracking wingers. Uh, and they were causing havoc, really. And Monaco, in all honesty, maybe should have been out of sight and out of mind and that game over and done with. But... A team of City's quality was always going to get back into it in some way, and that shift from Guardiola combined with this Monaco side that doesn't have as many options as they had earlier in the season. They've also played so many games that it looked a little bit leggy in, in areas that it, the balance of power started to shift back in City's favour, and that, that goal from Sane really should have given them the boost, I think, to go on and probably see the tie through, but it's great to see that Monaco with one, the pretty much the only chance they had in that second half, in all honesty, to Timur Bakayoko to, to nod in as well. It was really great to see them actually battle on and learn from the mistake that they did they had in the first leg, which was once they conceded, or at least conceded in the second half, combined with the tiredness, combined with the fact the mental toll it took on them, um, that they capitulated. But credit has to go to the defence as well because there was a number of really last-minute ditch tackles that denied Aguero where maybe he should have done a lot better. Um, so they maybe rode their luck a little bit at the same time, but uh, a terrific result for them and a terrific result for French football. And I, I don't think that anybody would disagree after the heartbreak we experienced last week with PSG, of course. Adam, let's continue on speaking about Monaco. Uh, we're seeing in this match again a slight drop-off in performance from first half to second half. Is this down to fatigue? Uh, especially, you know, we've got uh, Gabriel Basilia and Guido Carrillo no longer available. They had been part of the rotation. Carrillo will be back for the end of the season. Basilia's season's over. Is fatigue overall an issue? And if so, how do they address that? What competition needs to be prioritized? You still have the league, Champions League, and the Coupe de France. Well, it's a very interesting question that Jardim's going to have to um, really you know grapple graf with in the next in the next few weeks um it's it's interesting given that we see obviously in england with teams that play a similar style that very sort of attacking very pressing 
very sort of all action, you know, smash mouth kind of smile, they're that style. They're very sort of very sort of intense the way Monaco play. And we see in the Premier League with Spurs and Liverpool played very similar styles. And Tottenham learnt perhaps a little bit this season after noticeably tiring in the last season that they've kind of had to reserve, you know, use their sort of use their that pressing ability in almost spells a little bit. Pochettino has been a much more, but it's more sort of um, tap, more, a bit more tactful in the way that they press and the way that they go about their business, keep, trying to preserve that energy over the course of the season. Liverpool perhaps are still trying to work out how they can do that best. With Monaco, though, you can't, I think they're helped out perhaps by playing in France. It's not as, uh, as intense, obviously, as the Premier League. It's a little bit more defensive. They're going to have opportunities to, um, to rest more in games naturally, perhaps without having to do it sort of by design. And perhaps they're not going to be tested as much as Liverpool and Spurs might be in the Premier League by some of the teams lower down. We've seen them go into racing to big leagues and have the chance to rest later in the games. But nevertheless, you're right, Vasily and Carrillo are two huge misses simply because they both started to really prove their worth this season. And along with Jean Moutinho, who is still obviously very much part of Jardin's plans, they'd really come in and shown that they could score goals and they could, you know, in the league, perhaps games that are less, less important, lower priority games, they could come in and they could really do a job. Without them, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But going ahead, I think they are helped out by the fact that they're, they're in league and they, they won't have as intense encounters every week so often. But given they're still in four competitions, it has to be something that Jardim's going to have to do and rotate what is now sort of a shrinking squad because of those things is going to be a factor. In terms of prioritizing competitions, prioritizing competitions, sorry, I, I think perhaps they've got their Coupe de France quarterfinals coming up where they're playing Lille, which they would have to rotate, I think, for that game. They have to try and... Obviously, they're going to want to win all four of these competitions so they can, but they're going to have to start prioritising the league in the Champions League, I think. Obviously, the final of the Coupe de Ligue is obviously a very big game. You have to kind of play first-choice team there too. So it's going to be a, a balancing act, not necessarily in starting 11s, but perhaps in resting players and rotating as the game goes on when they get those leads that they, I think they still will manage to get when they play the bottom half of Ligue 1. Then, you know, getting Bakioko, getting Fabinho, getting Falcao off as early as possible and resting those players as much as they can. So it's definitely a balancing act that Jardim's going to have to contend with for the rest of the year. But I, I think, it's, I think you know, that it's possible and it's something that, that they've got things going in their favour, despite that sort of small, sort of smaller sort of shrinking squad. Um, so for me, the league and, and the Champions League have to be priorities, but I don't think that means they have to write any other competitions off. I honestly think they can win all four. Um, it's that, obviously, that would be a huge, huge, unprecedented thing for any club to do. But, you know, they will fancy their chances in all four of those competitions now. All right. Big potential declaration there from Mr. Adam. If, you, if that does come, come through, we'll be, I think that'll be uh, ameliorate your standing in the league, league predictions table. <laughs> um, turning our attention now to the match that just finished. Uh, that was Leon's trip to Roma. They lost 2-1, uh, as I predicted. Uh, Gazal, Rashid Gazal was dropped. Uh, Maxwell Cornet got the start. He had played very well on Sunday against Toulouse. It was a bit of a surprise, though, to see him after playing 90 minutes. He brought back into the team. Gazal had done pretty well in the first leg while keeping the ball. He, I think he had an assist. Uh, Nathan, were you surprised to see that change made, uh, given Cornet's, as we saw in the match, uh, less than a clinical approach to striking? Yeah, because especially because on at the weekend switching out the entirety of those three attacking players, you thought that common sense would at least predict that that Lacazette, Gazal, and <clears throat> excuse me, and Valbuena would be the three to to come into the side. So it was surprising that he didn't start. And it, it, I don't think he did. He come on at all, Eric. I don't think he came on either, did he? 
Um, so it was a strange one, especially when you think that that during the game, Corne has a fantastic chance to end it, really, in the last Sorry, five did Gazal come on in this match or at the weekend? Yes, in this match. He didn't come on the weekend, I remember that. No. Yeah, so he... It was, he, it was Rafael, uh, well, Rafael was supposed to come on uh, Fakir and Romana. Yeah, so it's, I suppose it's understandable in the sense that bringing him on in this stage where they really needed to defend was maybe a little bit of a strange one, but he is a better option in keeping the ball, you're right, and I, I think he's probably, especially at this stage, a little bit more clinical than Corday. I know he got the goal at the weekend, but it is... It's a it's a good solid strike, but at the same time, Lafont should probably do a little bit better. I, I, but you make a good point of whether Leon think they need Gazal anymore. And when you add in the form that the three showed at the weekend, you show how good the three performed the previous weekend as well. Is he maybe the most dispensable one, given the fact that Valboin is probably the best in form? Uh, Lacazette's obviously probably going in the summer, but he's the best striking option as the lone front man. Fakir slowly gaining fitness. Memphis is gaining confidence. Corne's obviously still very young, so he's someone you want to develop. He looks, if you're picking again, and we mentioned this about Paris Saint-Germain's possible attacking lineups, maybe he's the odd one out now. Maybe he's the one who is maybe slightly dispensable to this team, but again, it's surprising that he didn't play, but at the end of the day, Genesio has been proven right since Leon got the result they needed, even though it was a little touch and go. It could have been a little bit more comfortable. It could have been a lot worse, but they've got through, which is the big thing. And that's massive for them because oh, you look at this teams that have gone through, there's Manchester United, Celta Vigo, there's Schalke, who have neither of those have had great domestic seasons, at least. They are, have got talented players in their squads. It's wide open for them, really. Yeah, I would have to agree. I don't think Leon should necessarily have to fear any of those teams. Perhaps you know, perhaps Schalke, but I, I think certainly the other five, Leon would be at least, uh, if not favorites, you know, odds even against them. Adam, coming on to you, I wanted to, to get your take on sort of the role of Gazal as well. I, I know it seems weird to hammer on a player who has been sort of peripheral this season, but he was incredibly important to Leon down the back end of last season. Uh, he is He does offer something... Somewhat, somewhat similar to Valbuena in terms of his ability to keep the ball, offer the odd goal, and also be really good at drawing free kicks. But he seems to have had some frisson in terms of his, his dealings with Sionesio. There was an incident he threw his, was his, his shirt or his shin pads or something after being, after being taken off uh, in, the, in the Europa League against Azed. Um, but he has looked really good every time he's been included. You know, part of this centers around Leon's uh, inability to tie him down to a contract extension. Where do, you, where do you see this player being going? Is he staying with Leon for next season? Is an extension still possible? And if not, what are some potential destinations for him? Well, it's a very interesting question. Um, given, given, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> given those <clears throat> run-ins with Genesio in terms of that, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, in terms of that issue with the, when he was sort of throwing his shin pads away and, and the, the whole contract extension, it sounds like that, at least from my point of view, perhaps his his status at the club is a little bit reliant on whether Genesio stays. Given that um, Leon have been, they're below expectations this season, let's be honest. I know that you know, they're really playing well at the moment. I think they've, they've looked great going forward since Depay's come in. Valbona's been back in form. But I still think, and I might imagine you might agree with this, Eric, I don't know, but Genesio's pretty much since 
for for a long time anyway, his his stewardship of the club has been been in question. Whether he's the right man to really take them forward, whether he's the, the, the a big enough name or a big enough character for John Michel Wallace for that sort of Leon brand that seems to be building with the new stadium and the marquee signing to pie, whether he's the man to really take them forward. So I think first of all, whether Genesio stays long term, it will probably have a large impact on whether Gazal stays. Personally, I'd like to see him stay. I think he's a good player, and I think he was especially good in the last season, as you mentioned, and really made that role. Uh, out wide on in that in that team his own um for for his career going forward is it the best thing for him to stay there's a lot of um competition in those places we saw corne playing well today and at the weekend um we saw valbreno is back in form and when he's on form or it's 32 now but when he's on form he's a very very good player and he would probably be picked ahead of him um depending on lacazette stays which obviously is a big if i think he'll probably go in the summer but it's still not by no means certain that he goes um, and Depay, obviously, they've got a lot of options in that in that forward area. for Kier as well. Very, very good players. So to further his career, is staying at Lyon the best for him? I honestly don't know that it necessarily is. Perhaps there is a plan to move Depay in, into the middle next summer or next season, sorry, if Lacazette goes and perhaps Kazar gets more opportunities like that. But I still think that's very much remains to be seen. And whether whether he can develop even, you know, if Lacazette goes, because there's still that competition, is, is, a, is a big question. So... For him, perhaps he's thinking that that's the reason the contract has been a little bit sort of up in the air, and he's been he's sort of throwing his toys around a bit about the pram a little bit because you know maybe he's not getting a time game time he wants. Then maybe he's thinking that his future lies elsewhere. In terms of where he would go, it's it's very difficult to say because I think perhaps he would want a similar standard of club. He he is he's proven that he's a very good player, he's an up and coming player as well, in, in not just in France but in European terms, and he he'll see himself at a similar level club to Lyon, and I don't know that there's anybody that would give him the opportunity that he wants so perhaps maybe even a loan move in france uh somewhere and well he wouldn't go to sanetti and obviously given 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 munia's uh stay at sanetti and being very short we can know how fierce the rivalry between those two teams is but perhaps even somewhere like marseille i know they've got some options there as well perhaps if you look abroad perhaps even a club like valencia for a similar stature perhaps i mean it's very very difficult to set to say where he would fit in but i think from his point of view he wants that he must be first choice at a club at a similar stature of Leon, and he wants it next season. I, I would, if I was him, I, you know, he's had that break for a year. He wants to develop his career, wants to develop it as a footballer, which is absolutely just and absolutely right. But whether he'll get it at Leon is another question. I think Genesio is a factor, Lacazette's a factor, and whether he can find another club that would 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 suit what he wants as a footballer is also another factor. So for him, it's 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 a it's an interesting summer and but an important one in his career whether whether because you know decisions at this stage of, of a career could you know really see him change the trajectory in upward or downward fashion so a, a big summer ahead I think for Gazan and well decisions at least for him certainly so I think he is out of contract this summer so were he to go anywhere it would, it would potentially be on on a free if Leon don't resign him so certainly a very momentous summer I believe Gazal is twenty five uh, before the season's end so. Uh, sort of a career crossroads for him. Uh, in a word from both of you, uh, if Leon win the Europa League and are back in the Champions League group stages, do we see Taliso and or Lacazette go this summer? Nathan? Oh, good question. Uh, I think Lacazette's already out of the door, personally, and there's maybe at least a fighting chance with Taliso then. I still think he's probably on the way to Juve, but he's there's at least a fighting chance with him Laka no uh Tuliso maybe Adam yeah I would agree I, I think Lacazette is, is going but I think Tuliso will stay I I have, I have optimism in there I I would hope that Juve will go back to Blaise Matuidi and perhaps sign him he might be a better fit and 
um, perhaps I think he he's in more need in terms of French midfielders for every sort of revamp of his career. So hopefully I think Tolisso will stay. All right. So we're going to turn our attention now briefly. We'll probably talk about this again on Monday, but I wanted to give you two your uh, hot takes on the France squad that was called in today. Uh, just talking about some of the players whose arrivals have made some controversy. You can see the full list on uh, our website, www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. But talking about some of the more controversial players, I guess Florian Tovan, Dimitri Payet, and Adil Rami being included. I wanted to start with that first. Uh, I'll throw this to you, uh, Nathan, first. Do those, does that trio of players, are they all deserving of their position? Or would you rather have some of them out? People have intimated that Payet and Tovan are there perhaps on past reputation slash the team they play for, maybe more than anything else. Rami, a bit of a surprise vis-a-vis leaving out Laporte. What are your thoughts on that? And on that trio in particular, I should say. I think in the point of Rami, yes, I think it's a surprise because he's maybe not played as much for Sevilla this season and and I don't think he's of an international quality anyway. Um, I think that was clear when he was replaced by uh, Titi. Um, so, yeah, that one seems like a strange one to me when you say Laporte has, has been decent and is a good young centre-back. I don't think you're going to learn anything else from Adil Rami. I don't think he's a starter with the amount of players that are fit and at least taking a look at someone like Laporte or even a couple of the really interesting young players in, in France. There's so many great young centre-backs that are really interesting at this moment in time. It might have been at least more worthy to throw one of those in to a sort of reserve role because I don't see Rami starting um, if that was the potential. The other two, I can understand why Tovan's gone in. Uh, I think he's been good this season. I think he adds a different kind of option to the wings in the sense of him being a little bit more of an attacking ideal in the terms of being a little bit more narrower. He likes to cut inside. He likes to to really be the focal point of an attack as long. I think he'd link up well with Griezmann up front as well. So I don't mind that one. I, I can understand people maybe being frustrated that uh, other players might be maybe knocking on the door there, but he's still very young. Um, and I think he's had a really good, especially the first couple of few months of the season, I thought he was excellent. So it's it's worth seeing him in. Payet, I think he. I, I think he, the inquest starts if you're leaving out, leaving him out now. Um, he's not had the greatest of starts to his Marseille career. He's had a couple of good games, a couple of really average to poor games, but he's still a really good player and someone that would probably at least start the the Spain game and and can create something. So I, I can see why those two have been put into the side. Although there is arguments for so many players in those attacking attacking positions at the moment. But the Rami one is very confusing. All right. Adam, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the players who've been left out. Uh, give you uh, three to talk about. Uh, Alexander Lacazette, Timuye Bakayoko, and Matthew Valbuena. Um, yeah, interesting. Lacazette is a huge omission for me. I... I, I, I I am at a loss to to see why he's been he's been left out. I think he's very perhaps quietly, but quietly gone about his business in in Ligue 1 and has been quietly very 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 good um, in Ligue 1 this season. And I, I personally think it, he could be the type of player that France without Benzema, if this is going to continue and they're going to continue leaving out, which I imagine they will, he, that 
he's the type of player that you want in your team because he could be that centre forward for France. He could be the number nine if he continues this form and moves on to a big club in the summer, really kicks on in his career. He could be the, the number nine they almost build the attack around in, in years to come. OK, there's Griezmann there and there are lots of very, very good players in, in that forward line. But I'm, I'm really surprised that perhaps he hasn't been sort of prioritised in, in that role, especially when I know Mbappe's been absolutely brilliant. I loved, I'm loving seeing him in the squad. But when you compare the two, you kind of think Lacazette or, um, is, is the, the natural choice out, out of the two. Um, they could sort of similar-ish kind of players are playing a similar position. And you would have thought, given his form, or despite Mbappe's brilliant form, you still would have thought Lacazette is the, the more trusted option, the one with more pedigree and the one that you would trust going forward. Mbappe's still very young. Um, so I was I was amazed that he wasn't in the squad, to be honest. Um, Bakayoko, I think there's so much competition in that area of the squad. He's almost just a victim of, of the amount of players they've got in that area. When you think of how good Kante's been this season, playing in a similar position, Pogba's never going to get dropped, being because he's Paul Pogba. I still think perhaps he's, his form also, Bakayoko, has gone a little bit under the radar. Um, and perhaps given that the players, that the established players like Matuidi and that team as well, um, that it's going to be very difficult for him to break in. I, and whether they need another option there, given the players they've got, is 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 difficult to say. So I I, I can I kind of understand that. I, I personally think that I I I'm, as much as I like Adrian Rabiot, I think I still think he's a little bit overrated. I, I out of the two, I would take Bakayoko out of those two. But Rabiot's been a bit of a poster boy for young young French players for for a good number of years now. So I'm not really surprised, but I might take Bakayoko over him. And Valbrena is an interesting one too because his form has been absolutely brilliant for Lyon in, in recent weeks. But again, it may be it may be a case that perhaps France has moved on a little bit from from Matthew Valbuena despite his really good form. If you look at their forwards, if the six well the seven that made a squad and Tuvan Mbappe, Dembele, Gamero, Pae, Griezmann, and Giroud, they've really got a lot of options in there. And perhaps there are better options to to Valbuena even in even in his best form. He's, it's almost like his France career has come to a natural end now, despite his really, really good form. So I'm not really surprised that he wasn't there. In the squad overall, you, it's 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 quite impressive how good France's France's squad is. Um, we were talking today at, at Football Radar Towers about just how well balanced it is, and that there isn't really a weakness in it. So those players, Lacazette aside, perhaps are really struggling to 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 make to justifiably struggling to to make it into the team. Even if you look at the players that aren't in there, I'm just gonna. I've just been looking at this. I just wanted to read the squad that did not make this squad. So Ben Arfa, Lacazette, Martial, Gignac, Coman, Fakir, Diara, Schneiderlin, Kondogbia, Kabaye, Sissoko, Sacco, Jale, Matthew, Laporte, Korshar, Mangala, Dean, Raphael, Ran, Ever, and Mandonda, which is a, a squad that didn't make this squad. So it really shows the strength and depth. And there are national teams, England, for a start, that would kill for some of those players. So. It's overall, it's a healthy thing that we're talking about these players that aren't in the team because there's so much strength in depth. The one player I, that I haven't really seen mentioned that much, either on, on social media, in, 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 in uh, the press in France, uh, either, is Steven Nzanzi. And I wanted to get both of your takes on him briefly. I think that having seen Sevilla a dozen times this season, uh, you know, talk about an incredible player who can cover around, who can, you know, play that, that role that it's often been played by uh, Musa Sissoko in the recent past, but perhaps offers a little bit more solidity defensively. Is it just too late for this, for this player, given what he's done with Sevilla this season? Or is it what's, – what's going on here? Just from your, your both, both of your opinions, I'll come to you first, Nathan. I really like Kanzonzi as well. Every time I've seen Sevilla this season, he's been excellent. And I've been a, I've been a fan of him ever since he was in England as well. I thought he was probably – 
a little bit underrated, really, with maybe less of Blackburn because I thought they knew he was a decent player. But uh, the fact that he went to Stoke and then never really got a move from there and then got that move to Sevilla surprised a lot of people, but he's shown exactly why he deserved it. Um, he's excellent, I think, and I agree with you. He's a great box-to-box kind of player. He's really got a great energy. He's a little bit more defensive. He maybe butts heads with Bakayoko in that sort of place. That's maybe why they're maybe leaning towards the Monaco man as being a younger player, although he's not in the squad either. So they, they both sort of cancel each other out. Maybe again then Rabio's in the conversation because he's a box-to-box style of player. Ah, it's such a deep squad, but there'll always be problems. It looks like, from at least from what we've seen tonight in uh, uh, Old Trafford, it looks like Pogba will probably be out. He had to come off with a hamstring injury and pulled up. So uh, that might be two or three weeks of him. So I, I doubt he joins up now. Um, so maybe that makes a space for one of those two. But I, I think with the form he's been in, and if he carries on like this, he'll force his way into it anyway come uh, this well, not may, hopefully not this time next year, but by the time the summer rolls around and those kind of friendlies, hopefully he's broken into the team by then because I, I think he's been spectacular and really does deserve a chance. And there's uh, cases for so many players. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We could. I mean, I think Adam's point was very well taken there with the extra players. So, uh, just a final question on the team then. That that injury news that that Pogba is unlikely to be included with the squad. Who would come in for you then, Adam? You go like for like position-wise or bring in someone else on merit? I think it's very difficult to say. I, I mean, uh, perhaps it would be nice to see Bakayoko, one of the two players you mentioned, Bakayoko or Onzonzi. I know they're different different types of players, but I, I feel like it'd be possibly one of one of those two that would, would come in. It depends, again, in terms of who starts ahead of him, with, or in his absence, I should say, how Deschamps wants to play. The, the, obviously, it's against Luxembourg, I think, and that's not necessarily the most taxing of games. But if if they were to play about Pogba in a more meaningful name game, I, I, it's whether he goes four three three or he goes four four two, and that that way by the Euros, which suited Giroud and helped Griezmann out as well, um, or whether he switches to a four three three. Because I, I think the way Kante is playing, it'd be very very difficult to leave him out. But we talked about Nzonzi. I think Deschamps kind of have his has his favourites. And, and I think that's understandable to some extent because uh, lots of managers make the point that the group is the most important thing, especially at international level, and not necessarily just picking the best 23 players because that leads to an unbalanced group and squad overall in footballing and sort of social terms, if you like. And I can understand that. But I think I'd love to see Kante being first choice for France for the foreseeable future ahead of Blaise Matuidi because I think if you look at the comparable form, I think Matuidi's been poor for a long time and Kante's been very good for a long time. So if he goes 4-4-2, I think Kante should come in and he could play alongside a holding player. Perhaps this is where Matuidi would play with Pogba's, in Pogba's, ab- Pogba's absence. But we, you could, Kante's very capable of playing a similar role and, and Deschamps has used him as a defensive midfielder before. And I personally prefer him as the person alongside that player so he can really you know, use his mobility and really you know, be that all-action style that we've seen him with Chelsea and, and Leicester and alongside Matic and perhaps alongside a, a defensive player here, perhaps Bakayoko or, or Rabiot. So it depends a little bit as to how he wants to play it, but um, it'd be great to see Bakayoko in, in the squad at least. I think he deserves his chance, or, or in Zanzi, one of those two, but I might go Bakayoko given just for sort of looking looking forward to the future of his age, but it's it's close. It'd be great to see one of them get a cap though. Put, yeah, put money on him to call up Sissoko now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> all right, all right. I, God forbid. Um, <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't go that far. Sissoko, Sissoko has been an important player for France, despite his often middling uh, club form. So let's move on now to Ligue 1. Uh, we had a decent weekend, prediction-wise. Um, 
we we got a lot of predictions right, not exactly scores right. Uh, unfortunately, Nathan and Adam did not gain any ground on me. I had uh, six points from one correct result, three correct or three correct results, one correct score. Nathan had one correct score and one correct result. Adam had four correct results, so that leaves me on seventy, Nathan on fifty-six, and Adam on fifty-five. Is there no bonus points for that Bastia red card? <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> you, think you picked the 5-0? I, I don't know. It's shitty fish in a barrel there. Uh, so we are going to start, uh, speaking of Bastia, with their trip to Mets. Uh, Adam, I'll come on to you here. Uh, after a gutting draw with Sensitian last weekend with little parents scoring a last-minute uh, equalizer, Mets have a match that is all but ideal to seal their league on a safety. Does a win here make them safe? And conversely, are Bastia down if they don't get at least a draw? Course can still have to play PSG, Leon, Marseille, and Bordeaux in the season's last nine matches. Now they haven't won since week 18. Wow, that's a terrible record, isn't it? It's, it's really quite shocking. I, I, I think that given there's, what, nine games to go now, I think we're getting to the point where these results are going to really start, you know, making it, making those sort of allowing us to make those sort of big calls or at least feel like it from both the observers and from the team's point of view that this is a result that will keep them up or this is a result that will really put them in 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 really big trouble but I think both the answers to those questions would be probably not so far so if Mets win they'll be on what 35 points I believe so I think yeah and and if if Bastia lose assuming Nancy don't win they might do or Dijon don't there's still only three points off the relegation playoff place sort of slash um 17 so i think for bastia's point of view if they lose then there's still a lot to play for i know they've got a, as you mentioned a terrible terrible running um and they're really gonna they might end up really paying for that really poor end to sicarini's reign in charge but i still think given this stage of the season we've seen so many leagues that you get really odd results this time of the season teams lacking in motivation perhaps in mid-table or that's if bordeaux were to drop out of the european race a little bit that was one example one of the bigger teams maybe they can get a result there's 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 still a lot to play for in those eight games and the gap being probably three points, maybe not too much more is still very, you know, capable of being made up given that Toulouse came what 10 games after 10 points adrift and stayed up last season. So there's, there's still a very much still a lot to play for, but from Mets point of view, um, first of all, the game against Netian last, last week, it was, you're right. It was a gutting way to, to concede those two points. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I still think from Mets' point of view, there's still so many positive takes from that game, given that they've turned up at the, the top sides and got torn apart over time and time and again this season. And I know Sinatian have been, have been you know, very average in recent weeks and recent months even, and, and Loic Paran basically won that game on his own. <clears throat> but I still think there's a lot of positive take. They probably should have won the game and they played really, really well. So going to this game... I think it's a huge opportunity to not put them safe, but to put them within maybe maybe four points, five points of safety. Um, I don't know. I think 40 points will, you know, as the classic 40 points will keep you up. I think that's definitely the case this season. So they're, they're very much within a shout. But I think for them, this this is, I think, with the Abate signing, they've kind of been looking like they're going to step up since you, you really hit the ground running. And it was a massive signing for them. All right, didn't do great. I was man in Turkey, but he's a proven league and goal scorer, and there aren't many of those. So that signing is basically, I think, will keep them in the league, and they'll just they'll get enough points at home to get those what they'll probably win this weekend, and those eight points they need to, to definitely stay in the league in the last nine games. So Mets are going to be very close if they win to staying up, which is great for them given the up and down season they've had both on and off the pitch. And and Bastia, if they lose, 
then they've still got a lot to play for. But it's it's looking tough, and that record, no wins since week eighteen, is uh, is really really poor. So it's look, it would it would be you know look difficult for them, but I still think they'd have a fair amount of justifiable hope. So a big game nonetheless, but neither season is is done depending on the result just yet. All right, what would be your score prediction then? I'm going to say Mets 2-0. Okay, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I'm going for a confident 3-0 Mets victory. I, I really like Ismaili Starr as well, the the winger at Mets, although Jeremy Smith won't like me saying that because he, he wants to keep it as quiet as it's been, but he's been terrific and he was terrific against Satatien. And, and he was, Bast- yeah. yeah. And Bastia are um, uh, going down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go for a 1-1 draw. Shred of optimism for, there for the Corsicans, but yeah, point well taken. It Sar was really superb last week. I don't think I've seen him have a bad game whenever I've watched Mets. And that's him. I've only watched them about three or four times this season, but he's been excellent any time I've seen him off the bench starting. Lovely little player. All right, we'll come now to Saturday's early match. That's not hosting Nice. Nathan, not did really well to battle back last week and, and earn three points. Nice, a really injury hit. Paul Bice is now out again for six weeks. Even if Ricardo Pereira comes back, that, that, that's, that is potentially going to force Malang Saar back into the limelight. Uh, maybe or maybe Lucien Favre goes with Suke at centre back. Uh, a win here though for not puts them just three points off Europe ahead of the matches of the other contending sides. Could they have a say in in the race for Europe down the stretch? Something that was I mean really unimaginable when Conte Sao took over. Good question. Um... No, I think they've maybe just got a little bit too much. And I think quite a few sides around there have maybe got a little bit too much to do now. I think unless Saint-Étienne, they've been in really poor form recently, haven't they? But unless they continue on a massive dive, I can't imagine anyone catching them now. Um, I think that's probably just about sewn up just because they've got a good goal difference. There's a couple of sides around there that are doing still. I can't see Bordeaux or Marseille slipping at all. So... They would have to hope that Saint-Étienne carry on that results and they keep up their fine form. And I thought they were really good against Montpellier and to come back and really battle for that. Um, Salah got, got that winning goal, although a couple of their goals were lucky for their uh, Nakulma. Um, maybe got a couple of lucky goals that really got them back into the game. And this really is slowly becoming the unravelling of Nice, unfortunately, I think, as well. We hope that they would battle until the, the end of the season, but player was a a big blow that was followed by an even bigger blow to William Cyprian that's followed by another solid, strong blow to take Paul Bice out of that team. And yes, it's a good chance for Malang Sar to maybe redeem himself after being really out of the limelight for the last couple of weeks. I can't, I don't, I'm not as confident if Suke is a centre-back really, so I don't, I don't really want to see him playing in that role instead of Sar. I think that's too much of a, a push. I'd, I'd rather see the, the youngster come back into the side. But, this is a really good chance for not, if, if, in all honesty, because Nice will be reeling from that. I don't, I don't see too many natural replacements. I mean, I, I would assume Koziello will probably come in for Cyprian, um, but and Koziello is a fantastic player. But I, I don't know if you can replace the amount that Cyprian does as well, especially with Remy Walter not being. He's not been as defensive as I expected him to be this season, and that's maybe been covered by the fact that Cyprian covers so much ground, but. 
this is a really good chance for Nottingham if they do want to get into Europe, which they they have a shot at. I, I, like I say, I'm, I don't think personally they'll make it, but you've got to fight until that lasting blow, and especially if Saint-Etienne keeps slipping up. And, you know, they're away this weekend, and, and Dijon are fighting for their lives. That's not a guaranteed result for them. If they can creep that, if they get a victory, puts them right in the mix, um, this is a real chance for them. Um, whether they've got enough... Mm, I'm not so sure long term, but this this game's really interesting. I think of the weekend. Yeah, just a hat to there. Not since Sergio Constantino's appointment, 21 points in 12 matches, uh, sixth in the league over that time. That's certainly European form. I would say. What is your prediction then for uh, this match, Nathan? I'm gonna go with two one for Nantes. All right, I'm gonna go with a scoreless draw. I think that not have looked good, but they also have taken a lot of pleasure against teams that aren't that great defensively, case in point being Montpellier. And uh, I don't know that, I think Benicio's defense is a little bit too strong for them. Adam, your prediction? Adam? Sorry, I mean, go ahead and Adam. Oh, uh, one, one all for me. All right. Now, staying with you, Adam, we're talking about, obviously, Sunday's match between... <coughs> Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon are taking the attention, but there's also, down near the bottom, a very important match between Nancy and Lorient. Uh, these two teams uh, are fighting tooth and nail against relegation. Nancy currently occupy the playoff spot uh, on goal difference with Dijon, but a win from Lorient will put them just three points from safety. Again, Lorient's goal difference is, to be charitable, pretty terrible as well. Uh, the one caveat approaching this match, though, is that Lorient really battled well against PSG, uh, gave a good account of themselves. I know PSG were coming off a, a big loss, but Nasi are going to be in a little bit of a, an emotionally uh, compromised state. Nasi had gone gone up against Lille and, and then blown that match to lose 2-1. Does the knowledge that Lamelu can come back into the conversation surrounding staying in the division put necessarily put more pressure on the hosts, Nasi? And how, yeah. how do they cope with that? Well, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's a massive game, really. I, I, I think... Although Bastia are down there, you could argue these are possibly the two worst sides in the division. It's I know Bastia have been very poor, but it's very close between the two, and I think at least one of these two will go down. I, it, so it's a it's a really very very big game. I think from Nancy's point of view, you're absolutely right. That that loss to Lille, they had that massive chance um, just before Lopez's goal, and Lille went at the end, and Lille went at the other end, and Lopez scored and won them the game. A win or even a point there would be massive for them, given given how poor they've been in front of goal uh, in recent weeks. So I think for them, yes, so it's going to be having sort of that point or that, that you know, comforting result, if you like, or that sort of snatched away from the death would be very, very, you know, it would be a little bit difficult to overcome that this week. I think from Nancy's point of view, as you mentioned before on the pod, they struggle, they just can't score goals. And they have tried so many forward players. They've tried... Hadji hasn't really scored. Dale's been injured recently, but has been been very in and out at best. Um, Cora looks like looks completely anonymous when he plays them, and Dan looks looks past it. It's they're really really going to struggle to score goals. So they're relying so much on Issa Dia to to who's been by far their best player in attacking areas to really provide the spark going forward. So I think if they if they can find goals from somewhere they've got a chance i think alexi busan came came back from on loan over the over the winter i think he's come on and looked good you know he had that chance to uh, hit both posts against psg I, I would like to see him start possibly 
um, in a forward role because I think he's looked the most dangerous despite only playing three games since since coming back from his from his loan spell in, in league. So they're really going to struggle there. From from Lorient's point of view, I know that they're what on twenty two points, so they're sort of six points from from safety and the relegation place from from Nancy and 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 Dijon. And I, I still think they're very much in with a shout. They they've been unlucky in a lot of games and they've been close to getting a lot more than perhaps they they have have done so in 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 previous games and have lost games at the death and conceded silly goals and they've been, obviously been very poor too and uh, Cassoni's job has been in question in the last couple of weeks with them looking like they're it's sort of a vicious cycle where they keep slipping up and they keep losing silly points but they did battle against PSG and so did Nancy they both in the last two games have played well against against Paris Saint-Germain so there is there is hope for them but it's just whether they can convert those performances into wins and I, I think from both clubs' point of view, it's going to be very, very difficult to say. I think perhaps the two games that Benjamin Makonjo was left out by um, by Cassoni was was a was a poor poor error. Um, I know Ali Adia yeah, impressed, but I'm st- I'm still thinking Makonjo is the, the best bet of getting the goals to keep them in the league. Um, like I said, goal scorers are rare in league, and he's not necessarily a totally proven one, but he has scored goals in spells in this league. So I I think that was probably a mistake from his point of view. And they've they've got they've got the, they've got some decent players at Lauren. It's just they're so porous at the back. Pie Burns hasn't really come in, has come in and been average. Zago Torres has been very poor for, for, for a number of months now. And Lindsay Rose didn't really work out. The, the fullbacks are decent going forward and perhaps not the best positionally. They just keep stealing goals and losing silly games. So I, I think from the winner of this game, if there is a winner, will perhaps be you know more a little bit more confident going forward. But the loser is going to feel like this was their best chance to get a win between now and the end of the season and they've lost it and, and could, if Nancy lose, it could be to doubling on that Lille, Lille defeat and really compound what has been a poor few months for them after their resurgence in the mid-season. And if Lorient lose, they'll really think that this is the, almost the end of the road for them given they need to win this game to to, to for confidence purposes and perhaps even Cassoni's job, who knows. So. I think it's a huge game, and I'm 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 looking forward to seeing it on on Saturday night. It's it's going to be the the winner will will feel much better about themselves. The loser, perhaps, confidence wise and emotionally, might be edging towards the back to league. Though I'm afraid. All right, I'm going to go with a one-two win for Lorient on the road against Nancy. Uh, Adam, your prediction? I'm going to go two-all draw. Doesn't really help either of them, but interesting game. Two goals from Nancy. A brave prediction. Uh, Nathan? Lorient being porous at the back is going to help them out. I ah, think. Aha, yes, this is true. This is true. Nil-nil. <sighs> All right. All right, so finally we're going to come on to, uh, obviously, the weekend's ground shock. That's uh, PSG hosting Leon. Nathan, it was an emotionally taxing match, at <laughs> least for Leon this week. Uh, but they all seem to be mindful of the league. and they, They're doing well in the league, but Europe is not assured yet if they don't, of course, continue to progress in the Europa League. Uh, Depay comes in on the opposite flank. How, how do you approach this match if you're Leon? Do you bring in Abel Fekir? Do you bring in Gazal? Does Lacazette start again? Uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I I think you have to start Lacazette in a game like this because he's their best striker. Uh, there's no question about it. And I know they brought him off towards the end of this game um, in midweek, and with games piling up, it's difficult to throw in players and where to but I think you have to play him in this one I think it's an easy decision to bring Memphis in which is a, an easy decision because he was excellent at the weekend 
Um, and having not played Thursday, well, tonight, it's, it makes it much easier to slot him into that role because he was he was really, really uh, the key tormentor in, against Toulouse and scored a, a really good goal and a really, really good goal. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think you bring Fakir in from the start. I think... Uh, I think you're, you're right in mentioning Gazal because he's really good as an option to keep the ball and maybe you, he's a little bit better defensively. But I, I think you want to test this PSG side after you know the the taxing Barcelona result, which sort of filtered into that Lorient game where they didn't play great really, and Lorient had a couple of chances to probably draw that game. Um, so play on that. I know it's difficult, obviously, coming up back up from that excellent. Uh, result at least in in Rome to get through to the next round, getting them back up for that, making sure you've got the right squad because a lot of the the ones they would like to start like Toussaint, like the centre backs probably as well, like Jalet uh, might be a little bit leggy. That's more where I'm a little bit worried about of of players having to be replaced. Although Raphael's been decent in the last couple of weeks, I prefer Jalet there. Um, same with the centre back pairing. I thought they that Mamana and Diakabe work a little bit better, but I thought Yang and Biwa was maybe a little bit lucky on occasion at the weekend, especially in the first half. So that's maybe where more of my worries lie rather than the attacking positions, because I think at the moment they're pretty fortunate in the fact that most players are playing reasonably well and that Paris Saint-Germain might be a bit nervy in defence as well, especially if it's that same lineup that they've been playing recently. Test them, give them a challenge again and see if they they can they can react to it. If Because... Yes, you mentioned that Europe's not safe yet and it's an important game. If they can get a victory out of it or even a point out of it, it will be good. Um, but it's a real good chance to have a go at PSG and I, I think they should. And they've got enough talent, especially in the attacking areas, to rotate it a little bit. All right, Adam, coming on to you. Even a rotated Leon, as Nathan really mentions, is going to be dangerous. Uh, how much does it... But- that being said, Leon are still a team of, of some notoriety, of some quality uh, within Liga. How much does a decisive win here help Unai Emery's status as manager of Paris Saint-Germain? It, it's, it's very difficult to know. I have a feeling that Emery's future has already been decided. I, I obviously don't know that for sure. I just, I just have a feeling that it, I think a decision perhaps has already been made, whether he wins a treble or whether he wins nothing. I... I, I, like much like Bronx's future was was I felt perhaps the decision was already made after they went out to Manchester City. Although they went on to win all those, they went on to win the treble again last season. It, it felt like that his departure in the summer was inevitable and almost went sort of not under the radar, but was almost like oh okay that's that's happened. That was it, perhaps it was seemed to be coming a little bit. And I I think the Champions League is such a such a an obsession for Paris Saint Germain since the QSI takeover. It's all they care about, really. And given given the disaster of that Barcelona game, we talked extensively about last week on the pod. That I think that's the determining factor. Whether they win, whether they win well here, if they win four 0 which is possible given Leon's midweek game and, and the rotated possible rotated team, uh, or whether they go and they go and you know in an they lose in an, in an hour game, or whether Leon beat them comfortably. I still feel feel like that that the league and the domestic competitions are immaterial for, to some extent for, for at least for the hierarchy of PSG not to the fans and not to the players but the people making decisions at that at the club care about the Champions League and that's pretty much it and the 
it depends how they perceive that Champions League result, whether they say that the first leg was a step in the right direction, but obviously, and, but obviously the second leg was terrible, but we still see some progression all over this overall. We capitulated once again, nothing's really changed. I think that's a determining factor. Obviously, beating being Leon, beating Leon is still a positive and something you can point to, but I'm not sure that it would make a huge amount of difference on the end of the season. All right, what then would be your prediction for this match, Adam? 2-0 PSG. Nathan? 2-all. All right, I'll go for a 3-1 PSG win. Uh, that is going to conclude our program for this week. Be sure to join Nathan, Philip, and myself on Monday as we get our own reaction to the final weekend for the international break, and we'll have a little bit more talk about Les Bleus as well. Thanks for listening. This has been Eric Devin for Adam White and Nathan Staples. Please visit us online at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and on Twitter at GFFN.